So we've done the dialogue prompt yep. three times now, right? Yes. So now it's time to choose another one. So we talked about doing music one. Right. Or doing, like, tropes. As much as I live for the music one, because we do that all the time, we're mm-hmm. like, oh my god, this song would totally be... I feel like the only problem with that is that not... It's not like we can just stick our music on shuffle and be like, okay, this song. Because it's not every song that we listen to that we're like, oh, I can write a story to that. No. But I was thinking, because we have that combined playlist on Spotify. That is true. So, maybe not for this one, but, like, if we if we go through yeah. and just listen to our, the playlist, like, whenever, and then we oh, know... Oh, and then we each pick, like, three songs yeah. from that playlist, and we're like, okay, this one, this one, and this one. Yeah. And then, basically, we just read the lyrics to each other. Basically. <laughs> Because, like, I can't just choose from my songs because you're not going to know no. half of them yeah. and vice versa, so. We have very different tastes Yes, <laughs> But at least with the combined playlist, yeah. we'll both be able to listen to it. And it's only, like, 20 songs or something. Yeah. Well, not and like I mean, you're like, 300 or whatever it is. Don't call me out like that. <laughs> That's such a lowball number. I know. One of my playlists is, like, almost three days long. Yeah. (laughs) I make no apologies. It's the cross-country road trip playlist. Basically. Literally all of my playlists somehow work for, like, long road trips. It's like you have the morning playlist, and then you have the night playlist. Mm -hmm. Yeah. All right. Well, what up, everyone? I am Bryn. I am Ricky. We are back at it and trying to decide on a prompt. So it sounds like we're going with tropes. I think we're going with tropes. Now, do we want to specify? Because we could do three different ones if we're going to do the, the three That again. is true. So One like, of them has to be a romance one just <laughs> to make you write romance. The whole point of this is to be a writing exercise to I challenge know. yourself. And <laughs> so, like, romance, drama, fluff. Like, what kind of romance do we want? I don't care what kind of romance. (laughs) I just want you to write an actual couple. Okay. Okay. You also have a quarter stuck to your leg. (laughs) What? Oh, I totally do. (laughs) You just, like, moved your leg and I was like, um, that, okay, yep. That's its home now. Yep. Okay. I'm trying to look these up, though, but I don't know if it's actually going to work. Like, uh, a list, or... Yeah, like, I'm just looking up writing trope. Because I, I think I pinned a few where it's just, like, a whole list. I've got a bunch of lists of, like, how to make death worse. Oh, yeah, because that's what you really yes, need, Ricky. that's what I really want. Here's overused YA fiction tropes. Wait, say that again? Overused YA fiction tropes. Oh. Oh. The love triangle. Uh-huh. Uh-huh trilogies okay but like i have no issue with i was gonna say i don't have a problem with trilogies i think my issue is because i remember i was talking to jules and she was saying there was a story that she was reading and she really liked the first book but then started to get like the second book was okay but then the third book felt very unnecessary and so it kind of started to feel like in the second book, he was start. The writer was starting to like stretch out the story and yeah. like focusing on characters that you're not really supposed to care about. Yeah. Um, to make it seem more like it was 
justifying making a third book when really it could have been a duology mm-hmm. which kind of sucks yeah, what i did suck. like is like the shadow and bone trilogy mm-hmm. each book because she has to get these three items to like put them together so that she can have these amplifiers that will make her like the most powerful being in the universe kind of yeah. thing and so each book focuses on one of them mm-hmm. but then there's like the rest of the plot that goes into that and everything else that's happening around them but each book feels like its own separate story because it's yeah. like they're in a different location they're with different characters so that was kind of nice or even with like lunar chronicles i don't what's it called when it's for a quartet quartet yes but it's like all focused on different exactly so it's like you can read them separately it just makes a lot more sense to read them together Mm -hmm. and obviously when you get to winter you better have read the other (laughs) ones um super pretty girl thinks she's plain oh that's also just like movies in general i find okay so apparently they did a remake of she's all that it's terrible i've heard that i like isn't there a scene where they forgot to edit her arm back in or something like that I didn't hear that one. Yeah, apparently there's a part where it's just gone. Oh my god. Um, I heard and saw the fact that because most of their cast of teenagers were TikTokers, they had like dance-off battles. Yes. In at prom and just it looked instead of just you know having a bunch of teenagers being dorks and like awkwardly dancing at prom. No, no, no. They had to like a choreographed dancing and everyone's like, please stop. Yeah. And I guess, um, Lanny? No, what's her name? The main character from the first, she's Yeah, 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 she plays the mom. Yeah. Yeah. But apparently they look super close in age, even though they're not in real life. Yeah, that's the funny thing. It's just, like, she looks, like, exactly the same as she did, and she's all that. And it's like, oh, this is uncomfortable. (laughs) It's also really funny, because she's so tiny. Oh, really? And then, like, the actor... Like, she didn't grow. <laughs> no, like, the height that she is in She's All That, she's the exact same height. Oh, and then they put the main character in, like, these stupid high heels, so she just looks like a giant next to her. It's ridiculous. Like, I liked that movie. It's not my favorite of, like, the 90s. Yeah, it's just funny. Like, I feel like that was the first movie to really play into that trope. Yes, because it feels like based, there's... But it's based off of a book. Um, oh, I can see that. It's it's a classic. I don't remember what it's called, but it's where this guy is... Uh, he has to, like, make this girl into basically an heiress. Oh, really? Pygmalion. Which? Pygmalion. I guess. Um, but My Fair Lady. Yeah, My yeah. Fair Lady. Yeah, the original story is Pygmalion, I think. So that's and then what my it's fair, based off yeah, of. and then my fair lady is the one with Audrey Hepburn. Oh, okay, yeah, yeah. So it's based off of that. Okay. So that's why it's the whole. I'm not pretty, even yeah. though she's super pretty. <laughs> At least they like made an effort to try and make Audrey Hepburn unattractive. I haven't actually seen it. It's really good. It's also a musical, oh, okay. but she doesn't do any of her own singing. Oh, because even though she could sing because Hollywood was weird. Oh, and there's so much of a story there because Julie Andrews originated the the part on the East End. Okay. Or West End, sorry. Mm-hmm. Um, she was the originated the part. So when they made it a movie, they got Rex Harris, who she played opposite, to re- reprise his role. And everyone's like, oh, so obviously they're going to get Julie Andrews. And then they cast Audrey Hepburn. Uh-huh. And everyone's like, but why wouldn't you just... 
<laughs> like the, she's right. What what are we doing? But then it was great because by not getting that, she was then able to eventually get Mary Poppins, which was released the same year. Mm. And she won an Oscar for Mary Poppins and actually thanked the director of My Fair Lady. Oh, what an absolute boss. Yeah, she's just like, oh, and I'd like to thank, you know, so-and-so, because without him, this never would have been possible. Oh my goodness. Yeah. The sass. Yep. I love Julie Andrews. Yeah, well, and also the fact that when Walt Disney first approached her about doing Mary Poppins, she was like, well, I mean, I'd like to, but I'm pregnant. And he's like, that's okay, we'll wait. We'll wait. So I think we can all agree that Julie Andrews is just iconic. Yes, absolutely. No matter what, regardless of anything. I have still not watched this, um... I was going to say The Hills Are Alive with Music, but that's not it. The Sound of Music? Yes, thank you. <laughs> I love her voice. It's totally historically inaccurate mm-hmm. on all accounts, and it's very long. Okay. But her and Christopher Plummer have very believable chemistry mm. as a couple. And as two people who, they're like the enemies to lovers trope. <gasps> okay. <laughs> Because she's very like, no, I'm going to treat them like children and they deserve to go outside and play and have play clothes and do this. And he's like, no, this is not a family. This is a military operation. Everyone must like form a line and be orderly and organized and stay on time. Dude. Yeah. And she's like, I don't like that. I really don't like that. Yeah. And then it's great because it's like. She gets down to dinner the first night, and the kids have been, like, they put... Because they don't like having nannies, right? Mm -hmm. Obviously, because they want their father's attention, and he's ignoring them. And so they've, like, put a frog in her pocket, and they've, like, they've done all this stuff, and she's been dealing with this all day, and she gets down to dinner, and she goes to sit down, and they've, like, stuck a pine cone on her chair, so she jumps up and yells and, like, looks like an idiot in front of the captain. And she's, like, puts it aside, and she sits down, and... They say grace, which is hilarious because they weren't going to, but she's a nun, or she was a nun, and she's like, um, I, are we not going to pray? <laughs> Everyone's like, oh, gee, I guess we better, okay. Um, and so then she's sitting there, and she's like, you know, I just want to say how kind the children have been and how welcoming they've been. You know, I'm. it's such a new environment for me, and like, you have such wonderfully behaved children, and I'm sure you're very proud of them. And makes like this whole speech, and you can just see all the kids are just like, oh god, we're horrible people. <laughs> and then like one by one, they all start crying. And then the captain's like, what the heck's going on? And she's like, oh no, 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 they're fine. <laughs> That's great. Such a good scene. Oh, so good. I think it's on Disney. I should watch it. Probably. It's a very good like, midwinter you're stuck Mm. inside yeah you want like a long fluffy cozy movie that's like for me phantom watching Mm. phantom is always like there has to be snow and it has to be dark yeah and you really need to watch the 25th anniversary i know you really need to i don't know like i think part of it is because gerard butler is phantom and just like his voice is so good for it and i hate the really high-pitched fantasy. See, meeting Kremlin's voice isn't high-pitched. Okay. It is in the lower register. Yeah. But 
and we've had this conversation so many times before, but the way he plays Phantom when he's not singing is Phantom in the book. Okay. Yeah. So as a like characterization of the Phantom compared to the book, Ramin Krumluz is like cream of the crop. Okay. Because it's like he bounces between like the scene where she takes off the mask and he freaks out and has that mm-hmm. whole, you know, you scheming Delilah yeah. and, you know, you shall never be free. And then he sinks to the ground and he says, oh, Christine, Christine, why? It's like he sinks to the ground because he realizes that he scared her and he like backs away and he's like covering his face with one hand he's like why why and he like turns away because she's afraid to look at him now and he starts like singing the song you know worse than you'd ever fear than you could have imagined and all of this and then he just like he he crawls a little closer to her and he's like but the fear can turn to love and, oh. and you can learn to see beyond the beast to, to see the man and, and he's still like covering his face with yeah. one hand to like and he just and then he kind of like he goes oh Christine and she finally looks at him and he just like he gets this full on puppy dog look of like I'm sorry oh. and like can you forgive me and then kind of like she hands him the mask and he takes it and turns away so that he can and then he stands up and goes to her and he like he's so gentle with her uh-huh. and yeah as opposed to like Gerard Butler's to me like I don't get me wrong I love that fandom that's what got mm. me into fandom right um but he plays it more like cocky like oh you know so you've come to see the beast and and there's less of the pain of we would be together if it wasn't yeah. for this kind of thing I almost wonder if that was on purpose. Because there's that already... his is so different? Um, like, the, the cockiness mm. of Gerard Butler's one. Because yeah. there's already so much debate of, like, oh, she should have been with Phantom, or oh, mm. she should have been with Raoul. But for him to be a little more cocky, it's mm. easier to say, oh, she should be with Raoul. Yeah. Because, like, in that version, how you describe it, it's like... Oh, no, oh. no, no. No, <laughs> the end. Because at the end, he's like... You know, when there's the... He sings Masquerade again, and he turns around, and she's back, and he says, Christine, I love you. She is sobbing. (laughs) And, like, she gives him the ring, and she, like, cups his hand, and she kisses it, and she is sobbing. And he's, like, (sighs) trying not to cry, and then she, like, turns to walk up the stairs, and she stops, and she looks back at him and, like, goes to say something, and he just looks at her... And he closes his eyes and he just like gives this gentle nod of like it's okay that you're leaving and then he turns so that he doesn't have to watch her walk away and like pretends to fiddle with something so that he's busy (laughs) and then she like she walks away and they start singing again and he like covers his ears it's ah so his version of phantom made me have pity for the phantom Okay. Whereas Gerard Butler's, I'm like, I mean, I get it. You're hot. <laughs> You're kind of a jerk. Yeah. Whereas this one, and that's why I say it's the closest to the Phantom as he's portrayed in the book. Mm-hmm. Because the book, while it shows that he's the monster, it's also the, he was a genius and he would have been like the highlight of society if he was a normal man. Yeah. Like, you have to pity him. Yeah. And for heaven's sakes, there's a whole part in the book where he like, fashions this fake nose 
and like mask that looks more normal human as opposed to the one that he normally wears because he's like look if I wear this then we can go out for carriage rides at night and no one will notice and everyone will think that we're a normal couple and it's like oh so then is Raoul just same old Raoul in the 25th one or again closer to the book because in the book Raoul's like kind of a teenager or like very very young adult like Uh young 20s and which is funny because he's played by an actor who's like very obviously in his 30s but he plays him which is kind of that it's not even arrogance it's just well of course that's the way thing work isn't that the way it's supposed to work more naive than anything almost yeah. yeah and it's like that works for christine because as much as she's been through she is still very naive and she's been so sheltered. sheltered. Yeah. yeah. Um, so it works, but it's also, he's just like, he's so dumb. <laughs> <laughs> Which is also what he's like in the book. He is basically a himbo. <laughs> okay. <laughs> Raul is a himbo. <laughs> but it's like, when she's singing Think of Me, he's there and he's like, can it be? Can it be Christine? And then he goes to see her afterwards and he's like, where is your scarf? After all the time I took to find it. And it's like, he's peacocking, but he's so dumb at it. Oh, it's so good. It's great. I highly recommend it. And like, it very much, between the two of them, it does feel like puppy love. Yeah. So, I don't know. I mean, there is kind of that debate of like, oh, well, it almost makes it worse because it's like she's so clearly in love with the phantom the phantom's so clearly in love with her but also if you look at like the whole stockholm syndrome and the grooming and like the gaslighting there's a lot of <laughs> other issues going on there <laughs> yeah um so like it's almost like she deserves to have that puppy love that can then grow into something mm-hmm. as opposed to the obsessed deep love that the yeah. phantom has for her when really she loves him more like a father figure yeah because, you know, he pretended to be her dead father for a while there. Yeah, I always took yeah. issue with that. Even when I was little watching that, yeah. I was like, it's weird. Just creepy. <laughs> it's also, given the fact that, like, I mean, granted, the time period it was written, the fandom's supposed to be, like, in his 30s. Raoul's supposed to be, like, maybe early 20s, like I said. Mm-hmm. And Christine is, like, 18. Yeah, she's not... She's not old. That's no. why it's a whole big deal that she, like, gets the the leading role. Yeah, the because there's, role. there's that line where, oh, uh, slept with her patron. Yeah. Because that's why... Yeah. They're insinuating that she wasn't good enough, that she's so young and so beautiful. Yeah, it's nothing that. to do with her talent. It's she yeah. obviously slept her way to the top. Yeah. 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 And also Carlotta is, like, more human of a character. She's not as much of a caricature. Oh, okay. And that's actually because, like, there was an interview with the actress who played her in that that version, and she said that she didn't play her as a caricature. She played her as an aging soprano who's seeing herself being replaced. Okay. So, yeah, she's kind of, like, goofy in that, because she is supposed to be a comedic character. But you can see these moments where she's like, no, I actually do hate you. But then the moment when, like, everyone's got the letters... Um, before they figure out this is how we're going to stop mm-hmm. the fandom. And Christine's like, I can't do this. I can't go through this again. And she's 
freaking out and she breaks down crying and she's like don't make me go back there don't make me yeah, do yeah. it and she breaks down and everything goes quiet and carlotta just kind of goes like she's gone mad mm. and it's not in the sense of like ha 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 she's crazy it's like it's matter of fact oh my god this is breaking her yeah yeah oh <laughs> it's such a good version and i have been telling you to watch it for I years know, I know. Is it on, like, Netflix or Prime? It might be on Prime, actually. I know okay. it's on YouTube. Like, you can buy it on YouTube. I know oh, that okay. for sure. Yeah. I watched okay. it with Jules, and she had never seen any other version of Phantom. <gasps> she was sobbing at the end, and I was sobbing with her, and I'm like, yes, someone who finally understands my pain. <sighs> okay. It's such a good version. All right. Well, it's been 20 minutes. (laughs) We still haven't talked about any tropes. Oh, boy. Um, I don't know. That's just... I know I have a bunch pinned. (laughs) Overused YA fiction tropes. All it takes is one teenager to overthrow the government. Mm. I, (laughs) I have thoughts about that. Team Boy Next Door or Bad Boy McHunky? <laughs> Who's on a motorbike. Oh, 100%. For, like, no explainable reason. Yeah. Love interest describing as brooding or smoldering. <laughs> yeah. Stalking is romantic. So often. Yeah, no, if I was ever stalked, like... I wouldn't be falling in love with a person. No. Bad boy can be a jerk because of his troubled past. That's the whole... Whenever there's something like that, it's like, okay, that explains it, but it doesn't excuse it. Isn't that a line from Brooklyn Nine-Nine? Nice motive, but still murder. Cool motive. Oh, yeah. Cool motive, still Still murder. murder. Uh, Unnecessary angst. I let out a breath I didn't know I was holding. Oh, maybe this is why I don't like it. Overused YA fiction tropes written in first person. Uh, ah, there we go. Because they can be fine. Yeah. I think it's just, for some reason, it's very overused in YA fiction. It's kind of weird how yeah. overused it is. <gasps> okay. Oh, I found one. Go. But there's, like, there's a bunch of them. So do you want to do, like, the, like, pick yes, between Yes, because them? I still haven't been able to okay. find anything. So it, this is from our writing prompts board. Okay. So it's important ship tropes, and then let me just count them up. 19. Alright. Hey, list makers of Tumblr, can you <laughs> number them? <laughs> Thanks. Um ten. <laughs> okay. Channeling the inner rom com and having an epiphany about how much they care about each other and racing to confess their love. Okay, you know what? You can pry, pry that trope from my cold dead hands. <laughs> it's so good. The moment of oh no, oh no. Okay, you're never gonna watch it, I don't think. Um, but Anne with an E. Okay. They literally have that moment. I think you told me about that. Yeah, because I watched it and I needed to talk to someone because Jules was also watching it and she was an episode behind me so I couldn't text her screaming. Something about letters. Yeah, yeah, yeah. So that's the beautiful thing. So she wrote him a letter being like, 
hey, actually, because um, what happens is they graduate uh-huh. school, and he's comes to see her on the beach and that's kind of there's like this moment where she's dancing around and having fun and like leading everyone and like embracing Mm -hmm. the joy of being free and he just is like oh god I think I'm in love with her Mm -hmm. and so then they're sitting there and he's like so I may have gotten a scholarship to this college that's like in the city so he'd have to leave PEI and actually go to Toronto yeah I always forget it takes place in Canada yeah and she's like well, that's great. Like, it's one of the best medical schools in the country. You have to go. You want to be a doctor. This is going to be the best thing for you. What's holding you back? And he's like, just one thing. And he just, like, locks eyes with her. And he kind of, like, half says something. And then she's just kind of there, like, with a, as what, I, I don't know what you expect me to say here. Because, like, you have your and then she gets up and she starts like babbling because she's like you have your thing going on and i'm supposed to be doing this thing and there's also the girl that you've kind of been interested in but like this is going on and like i was gonna go do this with my life and like you have to go there and then he's just kind of like right and he gets up and leaves and she looks at her friend the next day and she's like i may have accidentally told him to marry someone else (laughs) so she writes this letter being like no actually i'm in love with you like and you know kind of confesses Mm -hmm. And she leaves it for him on the table. But then someone puts a bowl down because they're like distracted and they put a bowl down and it gets covered and then it falls on the floor and then it gets under someone's shoe. And it's just like, there's this whole mess of things that happen and he doesn't get the letter. And then he's getting ready to go off to Toronto. And she thinks he's engaged. And he writes her a letter that's like, I will never marry anyone unless it's you. My, you know, and he's like, my Anne with an E. And I'm like, oh, son of a bitch. (laughs) And then, because she... So then he writes this letter, and then he goes off to school because, like, things happen and he has to leave and he can't say goodbye to her. So she finds out he's left, then sees this letter, and is, like, furious because she's like, the jerk couldn't even say goodbye to me in person. How dare he after everything we've gone through. So she tears up the letter in anger and then goes... Oh god, what have I done? So then she tries to piece it back together, but she threw the pieces out the window, so she loses pieces. And when she puts it back together, it's basically like, I'm getting married. End of story. K-bye. Is like how she ends up piecing it back together, and you're like, oh god, that's not what it said. So then she goes to college, and her best friend is taking the train, because she's also going to go to the college, but she's, like, going to surprise Anne. Um, and then he sits down across her, and he's like, oh, it's good to see you. And she's like, I have nothing to say to you. He's like, what are you talking about? And she's like, and then I think her father's like, oh, congratulations on your engagement. And he's like, oh, I'm, I'm not engaged. And she's like, <laughs> so then her father kind of, like, is like, oh, well, I'll leave you young people to talk. I'm sure yeah. you want to catch up or whatever. And he's like, He's just being so pleasant, and she's like, you're such a jerk. You hurt my friend. And she, like, goes on this whole rant, and she's like, and you made her think you were engaged, and you did this, and you did that, and you ignored the letter she sent you, and he's like, what letter? And she's just sitting there, and he's like, what letter? And at the same time, Anne is walking through the city and bumps into the girl he was supposed to be getting engaged to. Uh And she's like, oh, it's 
good to see you and the girl's like yeah we're going back to England and she's like oh to get ready for the wedding and the girl's like oh my god he didn't tell you which is how Anne finds out that he's not engaged so then it cuts to Gilbert racing through the town as soon as the train stops to get to her college as Anne races through the town to get back to her college to pack her bag so that she can then go home because that's where Gilbert is and then as she comes racing out the door he's standing at the door and he's all sweaty and out of breath yes. and panting and yes perfect and she like drops her bag and she's like I was coming to see you and he was like I was coming to see you and then they stand there for a moment and he's like I have to know did you really mean what you wrote and then they kiss and it's just it's adorable <laughs> and then they like her best friend shows up and he's like I have a train to catch I still have to get to Toronto like I can't be late for this so they're like oh use our coach and she's like they look at each other and they're kind of like write to me and Anne's like, yeah, I have several follow-up questions. And he, like, gets in the carriage, looks at her, jumps out, gives her a kiss again, and then jumps back in the carriage. And her best friend is standing there like, oh, my God, it's real. <laughs> it's so good. And then they canceled the freaking show. Oh, yeah, I remember you getting really mad about that. But at least, at least the two of them got together. Yeah. Because, like, Anne and Gilbert is always the end goal. And if you end the show without that happening, people would have rioted more than they did. So, <laughs> at least we got that. They were also, like, age-appropriate, which is really cool. Because it's, like, mm. that weird thing where it's, like, oh, my God, they look like they're 14. But they're also, like, both in their early 20s. And you're, like, oh, God, I feel very, very old. So it kind of works because it's, like, you see them in, like, that early teen years and then mm -hmm. up into that so i mean obviously they're not exactly the right ages but they're yeah, close yeah. enough too that you're like no 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 they were kids mm -hmm. yeah so yeah you can pry that trope from my cold dead hands <laughs> because i love it okay so you've only picked one <laughs> and then went on a very long ride and we didn't even talk about anything related to our own stories no well like I'm, it's me yeah but it's also that's such a like there's only so many ways that trope works yeah where it's either the trope is either they're running to meet each other one of them is running like a is running to meet b and finds them somewhere and there's that dramatic like pause moment of i was running to find you or c they get there too late i am a fan of getting there too late i actually. was gonna say you're a fan of c because you have that moment of, like, the person's getting on the train. I'm going to let them go. We're just friends. And everyone else is like, oh, my God, you're an idiot. Yeah, yeah. And then they have that moment of, oh, my God, I'm an idiot. And they race to the train station. And right as they get there. They're stepping on. Or oh, no, 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 no. See, the, even to me, like, there's a classic of, oh, the train's already left. To me, the harder hit is B is sitting by a window and they happen to turn and look and see A running towards them and then the train leaves. Yes. So you have that moment of, wait, you were actually coming. Yes. You changed your mind. Yes. Yeah. Agreed. I do actually kind of have a scene like that in Mechanical Rose. 
but it's less of a like running to meet each other and more of after she, after Pip leaves um cause she's like this whole situation's unhealthy you need to get your shit together and not mm-hmm. use me as a crutch and I will not be used as a crutch yeah um so she leaves and then Jack's like I'm a jerk I need to get my crap together and then he's working on that he's respecting it like he's not going looking for he's not doing anything he's like no i need to make myself into a better person before Mm -hmm. i go and try and find her um and then he and his brother are on a train because they're gonna go like across the city to one of the other um gangs written this before maybe but they're this gonna go like see one familiar. I've talked about it before. Yeah. But they're gonna go like meet with one of the gangs and they're sitting there at this train stop and his brother like looks out the window and is like Uh <laughs> She's staring at me. But that's the thing, she's not. She's oh. like loading a package and like making sure that all the paperwork is signed mm-hmm. and she's super busy. And they're both just like immediately stand up and they're kinda looking. And then she looks over and sees them. And her and Jack, like, lock eyes, and he stands up because he's, like, about to get off the train. And then the train whistle blows, Ah. and the train starts moving. And so they're, like, walking parallel where she's walking down the sidewalk, and he's, like, walking down Ah. the train, and they're matching each other. But then the train starts getting faster, so she's running, and he's running, and then he gets to, like, the end of the train and, like, bursts out the car. And she's, like, standing at the end of the platform, and there's, like... He sees her mouth his name, and then the train's too far away for him to even, like, jump off the train and go talk to her. And his brother's kind of standing there like, okay, but we do actually have, like, a really important meeting to get to. I know you're like, I don't know what to do with this situation. That would be so good. Yeah. That would be perfect. Yeah. And then that's the moment where he then goes back to the rose that night and he's sitting there and he's talking to his sister and he's like I think I may be in love with her and she's like yeah no shit the rest of us kind of figured this out a while ago yeah yeah because I did kind of like write their story where it was like I had a bunch of scenes that were just very specifically about them Mm -hmm. and I was like I need to actually put these down on paper yeah so yes excuse me um I'm trying to think. I said 10 and it's and there's, there's 19. 19. Let's do 15. Uh, I'm sorry. Oh god. Dramatically saving each other from certain death or barely surviving something that almost makes the other break down and just smirking wearily and mumbling flippant remarks to hide the depth of their feelings. <laughs> I feel like that doesn't always work, though, because, like, you think in Jurassic World. Yeah. I I didn't feel it in Jurassic World. And I mean, like, I know, like, it wasn't a scripted kiss. But, yeah, I don't know. I just, I didn't feel it. Yeah. It's good when it's done right. But and it's lame when it's done wrong. Mm-hmm. And I feel like more often than not, it's done wrong. But I do always kind of like that trope of, like... A saves B and B is like clutching their chest because that's the dramatic moment. But then they keep being like, you know, like say they almost got 
swept off a cliff and they're like, oh, you know, it's a bit windy today. Yeah. It's just, just gonna yeah. ignore this. Yeah. But they still haven't let go of A and A is just like very aware of how close they are all of a sudden. Yeah. Yeah. I'm, I like, I'm trying to think of a perfect example. I can't really think of one. That's like right. concerning. Like, I know there's one. Mm-hmm. I'm thinking of, like, Brooklyn Nine-Nine, even though I don't think there's that specific scene. It's just, like, the whole season. Yeah. But. I keep thinking of Man from Snowy River, but it's not really a scene like that. Because at one point, she has a huge fight with her father, and she's like, screw this. Because mm-hmm. her father's very controlling and, mm-hmm. like, seems to have it in his head that she might not be his daughter. There's, like, it's a whole side plot. Um... So she takes a horse, and she rides off, but it, there's a storm, and so, like, she gets off the horse, and she's trying to lead him, and the horse spooks, and she loses her footing, and she falls, and when she wakes up the next morning, she's, like, on this ledge that's on a cliff, so she, like, slid down this cliff and landed on this ledge and passed out, and she wakes up in the morning, and she just, like, screams, because she's in the middle of nowhere, um... And then the main character, the man from Snowy River, he goes out looking for her. Uh And so he's trying to find her. And then she hears him calling, so she's calling for help. And then he, like, lowers his bullwhip, and she grabs onto that, and he pulls her up. Mm -hmm. And then it's just, like, they hold each other, and then they're, like, it cuts to, they're at a fire. And she's drying out her clothes, and she's wrapped in a blanket. And she has this moment where she's like, we could just live up here and forget it all and, like, screw everyone else. We would be happy here. And he, like, almost agrees to it for a second. And then he's like, no, I have to go after, you know, like, I have to make things right with your father because he's trying to buy back his family farm. Mm. So he's like, no, I need to make a name for myself. I have to prove myself and then I can go on with my life. And she's like, well, all right then. I'll just go on with mine then. (laughs) It's a good movie. Yeah. I think I've talked about it before. I think so. It's that one where I'm like, damn it, there aren't enough westerns made. Yes. And there are, well, not that there are enough westerns made, I'll correct myself, because there's a lot of westerns, but there's not, like, modern westerns, unless you do stuff like Longmire or, like, Justified. Yeah. Where it's like, <laughs> it's not really a western... It's a, cop, play, it's a cop show with a cowboy hat. But they, like, kind of play into, like, western tropes. Yeah, yeah. Of, like, the gunslinger and the lone ranger and stuff like that. Whereas The Man from Snowy River, it takes place at that time, but it's set in Australia. Okay. Yeah. I think we talked about this on a different episode. No, no, no. We've never talked about this on here. We talked about this when we were on that hike. Because I, like, just watched it and okay. I was like, damn it, man. Nobody knows this movie, and it's so good for, like, so many reasons. And also, like, the best scene in the whole movie, he actually did his own stunt for, and it's, like, given the fact that the guy had never really ridden horses before he did the movie, it's actually incredible. (laughs) So good. So good. I feel like I need to go rewatch it. So good. Anyway, um, so that's that trope. (laughs) We're not really finding any trips that we're like, yes, I could write that. 
Though 10 is a pretty good contender, because I think, like, we both yeah. have decent... Racing to confess their love. What? That was the racing to confess their yes, love. Yes, racing to confess their love. With the epiphany. Yes. I feel like even you could kind of, like, make that work, because yeah. you could be that horrible person and do that. They just miss each other. Yeah. Yeah. Um, okay, another one. Let's do five. I'm just doing groups of five at this point. I'm a genius. Ah, okay. <laughs> oh, you got really excited. Being on the brink of admitting their feelings for each other, but then getting interrupted. Oh my god. You look way too happy about that. <laughs> such a good trope. Yes. All of these. these Especially, just... like, as a reader or as a viewer. Oh. I feel like, I don't know, to me, it, it's almost felt worse in movies. Mostly because I don't think I've read a lot of books that have it in mm-hmm. them. Usually the... I read a lot of books that are like the ones that I write, where it's like, yeah, there's a romance, but it's kind of the side plot. Yeah, it's not important. Well, it's it, important, but... <laughs> yeah, it's like, it is important to their characters and to their character development, but they also have enough other stuff going on that it's like not the main focus. Their yeah. main focus isn't getting together with this person. It's just that would be a nice plus at the end. Yeah. <laughs> Bonus relationship. Exactly. Um, but yeah, as a viewer, especially as a viewer, because it's like you see all those little glances and those little moments and the like looking at each other. Mm-hmm. And the talking about each other to other people and everyone else being like, oh my god, you two are so in love. Would you just, like, clue in already? And for me, personally, especially when the one person is oblivious Mm. and they go to to confess. Mm -hmm. And the other person isn't even, like, cluing in that this is a dramatic moment where my life is about to change. They're just like, oh, what did you want to tell me? I just, I had to say that... Yeah! I... Though it's almost worse when the person goes, I wanted to say, and then they look at the person and they just kind of go, never mind. Where it's like, it's not Or the like right someone time. else walks in and yeah. they go, I'll tell you later, or yeah. something like that. And it's just like, oh, you were so close. Yeah. <laughs> that trope is brutal. Doesn't really work for a short story, though, because you do have to build that up. Yes. I mean, you, it, you could do just that specific scene, mm-hmm. but it doesn't work as well. Yeah. Because you need to have that buildup of, oh my god, is this going to be it? Is he finally going to say it? And, damn it. Yeah. Never mind. Interrupt again. How rude. Yeah. It is a good trip, though. <laughs> it's brutal to mm. watch. It's so painful. It hurts so much. But when they finally do tell each other, it's yeah. just... Ugh. See, that trope works if, like you said, if one is oblivious, because then that gives that oblivious one time to, like, catch to up. To get the, 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 the moment. The, yes, to the have word. the epiphany. Epiphany, thank to you. have the epiphany, yep. And go racing after the person in the rain. Yes. And it always has to be like, raining. Oh my god, that's what you were going to tell me. Yeah. That's, like, the trope where... Someone will call, like, A will call B a nickname in a different language. And B thinks it's just, like, mocking. But then they hear someone else use it or they say it to someone else. And that person's like, you realize that's, like, a very serious term of endearment for, yeah. like, my beloved, you know, first in my heart or something that's, like, super mm-hmm. dramatic. And they're like, no, 
my god. <laughs> I made a terrible mistake. I need to like go like yesterday. Yeah. Okay. Especially when it's kind of a jerk character. Yeah. And they always use this term of endearment, but then it's like jerk without a heart of gold. Yeah. And the the person slowly is like, eh, they're all right. And then they're like, ah, oh, damn, I kind of like you. But they're like, ah, but like, they're always mocking me. They're always calling mm-hmm. me this name. Mm-hmm. And then they realize that it was a term of endearment. And yeah. the jerk has just been in love with them the whole time. Yeah. And or it's like, bonus if it is like an obvious term of endearment, like sweetheart or something yeah. like that. And it starts off as like a very sarcastic and snarky. A, a little demeaning. Yeah. But it's like, as time has gone on, it's just like gotten ever so slightly softer. Yeah. And they notice that the jerk doesn't really use that term with anyone else. And then the wheels start turning. And by this point, the jerk is like, oh, they can never have feelings for me. Yes. And has like given up all hope and is walking away. (laughs) And suddenly the oblivious one is like, (gasps) am I too late? I love how all of these lead back to the epiphany. I know, I was gonna say, I think we've chosen I our prompt. I think we've chosen our prompt. It is very clearly the racing after each other. Mm-hmm. Yeah, channeling the inner rom-com and having an epiphany about how much they care about each other and racing to confess their love. I like how they don't even mention in the rain. It's almost always in the rain. Oh yeah. Why is it always the rain? I mean, not that I'm complaining. I want it to be like hail. Like the heavens just open can you up please and- can you please open the door no please i'm getting bludgeoned no i've given up all hope for you yeah yeah i swear to god if you write this trope and you write it as he misses i am going to be so angry with you so the thing is like because we don't have to make it part of our stories but no. it would be way easier Oh, yeah. But I don't know which story that would be. Oh, oh, uh-huh. unless I did it with the nightmare one. Oh, yes. I'm going to do it with the nightmare one. <laughs> I hate you so much. <laughs> and I don't even know where this plot is going. I hate you so much. Yes. I'm so angry with you. Because there's this scene where Nightmare Dude and Kai... And there's this other little boy who just kind of wanders around. Mm-hmm. And Nightmare Dude has the little boy. And Kai comes up. And because dreams are a little off-kilter themselves, mm-hmm. um, Nightmare Dude is like, all right, so I want to tell her what she is. Mm-hmm. You're not letting me. Um, I have this little boy. And he basically makes a deal where it's like you either have to choose between me telling her or something's gonna happen to the boy and just without a shadow of doubt he's like oh the boy like just harm the boy and the damn nightmare is like excuse me what <laughs> i mean i'm supposed to be the scary one damn <laughs> and so then michelle gets all angry with the scary dude well yeah or with nightmare dude because she's like you you threatened a child and he's like i was bluffing but <laughs> Thanks! Kai is the monster here! But she's all Okay, I also him. love that trope of like person A getting angry at B and B's like, excuse you, I was in the right here! Yeah. And like trying to justify themselves in that whole argument, it's beautiful. Yeah. Yeah, totally. Okay. Yeah. 
I See, know if, if you're going to do that, then I'm just going to do the mechanical rose. Okay. Even, like, I don't know, even though I've kind of talked about it here, I feel like it does still work. I think it works. Because it doesn't really work in any of the other ones that I have going. For some reason, I always get of Earth and Sky and Mechanical Rose mixed up. Because I think... They're very... They're very different. <laughs> but it's like, the character dynamic between the two is also different, but it has some weird... Wait, which is of Earth and Sky? Where there's the city in the sky, and she's on the ground, that's, she goes up. It's not of Earth and Sky, see? Wait, That's it? all that remains. Oh, damn it! What's of Earth and Sky? I don't know! It's that's really what... yours! Not anymore, it's <laughs> I do remember the name, though. It's yours. I know it's yours. We we talked about it extensively, like, five years ago. <laughs> um, that one had... Oh, oh. Thanks a lot. That's gonna oh, bug me now. They have powers. Post-apocalyptic? It, it was similar of... What was the other name? All That Remains. All That Remains, where there was, like, a Sky Kingdom and an Earth Kingdom. But oh, they could fly. Yeah, yeah, yeah. The, the Sky People could, could fly. Yes. Yeah, yeah, The people <laughs> lived on the floating islands, and she was from yes. the Earth Kingdoms, and she was marrying uh, the prince of the floating island nations so they could form an alliance. And then while she's up there, her father dies, and her uncle takes over. <laughs> <laughs> it's all coming back to me now. And her uncle takes over. And, like, there's a mutiny up in the islands, mm -hmm. and they try to overthrow the island kingdom, the floating islands as well. So she has to, like, flee, and she ends up back on Earth. Right. With the prince, because right. he's like, well, damn, you're my wife, and I'm going to protect you. Like, you're kind of the crown princess of my land, and, like, need to help me get to yours, because if we get yours back, then mine will be safe. Everyone's happy. Right, because it was just, it was basically an alliance marriage, right? Yeah. Yeah. And then they're like, we're kind of stuck with each other now. We may as well try and make this work. Right, and it was that trope. Yeah, right. It was the marriage of convenience trope. Yeah, yeah, okay. yeah. And then the falling in love with your <laughs> marriage of convenience trope. Yeah, 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 yeah. <laughs> yeah, I remember. That right was now. just like five years, just came <laughs> smashing back. <laughs> Pretty much. Oh, <sighs> yeah, I remember it now. <laughs> as soon as you said Earth Kingdom. I was like, wait, do I know what we're talking about? <laughs> Isn't it weird how you can forget your own story? It is a little. It's a little concerning. It's like, I came up with the whole world and it's just gone. Like That always makes me think of that story I had. I can't remember what it was called. But basically, she was a creator. Like, she was a writer. Mm -hmm. And then this guy comes like just kind of appears in her world and she's like what the hell and ends up realizing that he's a character that she created uh. and then she kind of comes to find that like every character she's ever created has existed in the world that she created them in but they're all kind of like stuck just doing the thing that they were doing in that life when she created them mm -hmm. and just kind of like this never-ending routine and so there's like i think i had like a character that was going it was like the evil character and they were coming to the real world to try and take over mm -hmm. because of course they were <laughs> um and at one point they went to attack him and she ran in front to stop it and 
the sword shatters into a million pieces mm. because she's the creator yeah. and you can't kill the creator. Yeah. And then I think it ended with, like, he goes back into the book and she's really sad, but she, like, starts writing the story again because she's like, I want to give these characters a satisfying ending so they can go on with their lives mm-hmm. kind of thing. And then a guy shows up at her school that seems, like, very familiar and very much like him. Hey. But, like, he's a doppelganger or is it she was unintentionally inspired by someone that she'd actually like met in real life or is it somehow him in the real world yeah yeah leaving leaving very open-ended yeah but i did also i I don't know because i feel like there's a different you could like do it open-ended or you could have him like she's looking at him and she's like oh my god it's you And then he just kind of has, like, this knowing smile. Or you even have it where she's not even paying attention and he just walks up behind her and says hello and then her name. Ah, Yeah. (laughs) And then that's how you end it. So it's like you don't have to do any kind of explanation at all. They can just, like, figure it out for themselves. Yeah. Yeah. That's good. Yeah. (sighs) So many stories. I know. We used to have... I used to have so many. You only had, like, three. I had more than that. You mostly talked about your Raven one, though. Yeah. But I had a ton of other ones. We'd also, we also do a lot of flash fiction, which is why I think the short stories kind of work for us. Because mm-hmm. we're like, wait, I have a flash of inspiration. <laughs> I can write this. There, now we're done. I only need 20 minutes to do it, and I will be satisfied. Yeah. Uh, yeah, I think, I think we, we very much seem to be leaning towards the epiphany. Yep. So basically, person has an epiphany, and then they race to confess their love. And it's... then there's so many different ways that you can do that and I swear to god if you make it (sighs) It, yeah because I (laughs) I need to figure out the 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 rules of the world Mm -hmm. if that makes sense and then I can Mm -hmm. come up with the scene Mm -hmm. so you're definitely doing your story yes I will be doing the nightmare one I think I could maybe make it work for Life by Any Creed. Oh. Ah. Intriguing. Uh-huh. I might, I might even be able to pull in a couple other tropes while I'm at it. Really? Uh-huh. Just pour it on me. Yeah. I love how you're like, I can't write fluff, but I write fluff, and you're like, yes. Yes. <laughs> I will read it, but I refuse to write it. Yeah. Well, because it's so janky when I write it. Mine is going to be like, it'll be fluff. It's probably going to be awkward. And then I'm going to have to read it out loud, damn it. <laughs> but that's the whole point of it. I know. Is to improve our yes. writing. Which, honestly, I think we have improved. I think so. Like, personally for me, I'm using way less dialogue mm-hmm. sometimes, mm-hmm. which is It good. does depend on the scene. Some scenes yeah. need a lot of dialogue. Yeah. But your, your descriptions have gotten a lot better, I've noticed. Because I could not do descriptions yeah, you'd be like they danced <laughs> black lines appeared he they smiled. stopped dancing <laughs> yeah that would have been that scene uh, yeah yeah so yeah I'll, I think I might be able to make that work mostly because I suddenly realized there was a scene that I texted you about I didn't actually tell you what happened in the scene but I was like, oh god, I have this one scene, uh-huh. and I want to write it, and you were like, just do it, and then I got distracted, and then I didn't. Oh, was that just like a week ago? A couple of weeks, yeah. 
Yeah, and I was just sitting here and I was like, oh, actually, if I just like do a little switcheroonie and move a couple things around there and add a little bit, this could work. Do it. Yeah. Do it. I think I'm going to. All right. We are set, ready, and perfected to go. I am Bryn. I am Ricky. And I am, we are writers in progress.